right, look at that. All right, it worked. Welcome to Theo Live, episode 19. And as you can see, today is a little bit different. Usually, I'm sitting here by my lonesome talking to you guys. But today, I have with me what some people call the Bobby Flay of the internet. Ooh, in that Bobby. He is the only one who calls himself that. But it's That's John great. Adams from John Adams Ministries. How you doing tonight, John? What is Man, doing so good. Got the kids down. Life is working out right now. <laughs> Anytime that you can get to like the meeting or whatever you have going on and the kids are like not crying their eyes out is a win, man. I know. It is the truth, dude. Well, uh, I'm really excited to have a conversation with you tonight. First off, because you're such a nice guy and you're always here with the live streams and supporting the channel and like getting to know you has been really fun and i'm really excited to talk about some things and get to know you a little bit better and also for people here on my channel to get to know you a little bit better if you don't know who john adams is what is wrong with you you need to head right <laughs> over here and check out his youtube uh his channel your channel is great man i i've just been Thank really you. impressed with the quality like that's that's something that's hard to do. I'm still working on that part. Like the the like the video quality, it always looks crisp and clean and your animations are awesome. Uh but also and more importantly, the content is really well, really thanks, good. Man. Uh so if you're watching this and you haven't checked out John Adams, you need to go check out his YouTube channel whether you're here right now or you're catching this on uh the replay. Go and check out his channel. Give him a sub. I don't think you're going to regret it, but like, even if you do, it's, you know, it's just a button to click. It's, it's you know, yeah. Deal. And, it, it, and I might offend you. That happens at times, but just deal with it, right? We I need never to do that. What are you talking about, John? Yeah. We're not offensive hey. people. We, we're, yeah. we're all about, you know, the like love and butterflies and unicorns. That's what we're all about. And we never say anything that's controversial. At least I don't. Right, I would agree. I've never uh, heard any any reformed person say something controversial. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, also, as I'm kind of like doing a little bit of the intro, I forgot to say, uh, oh, and it's not going to come up because I didn't add it to this. Guys, you got to do your work making sure that all the animations are in the right places. But I was going to click the little thing to come up and say, hey, like this video. Uh, it does... Uh, a really big job of making sure that other people are going to be able to actually see this thing. Uh, because I think that we're going to have a good conversation tonight. I really do. Uh, but before we do that, I kind of want, you know, for me too, to get to know you, John, a little bit better. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story and what you're doing there down in Florida as the worship and discipleship pastor, right? You got it. You got it. Oh, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. So I've grown up in Orlando, Florida. I, my video might be a little bit wonky right now. I don't oh, know yeah. why. It should look really, really nice, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, grew up in Orlando. Um, man, didn't follow Jesus until I was about 15. And so I've lived on kind of both sides of the track of, um, you know, following after all the ways of the world and then eventually did end up following Jesus. And it's funny because right when i started following jesus like that next day i went to go lead worship and like the the local youth pastor dude you know at our school asked me to lead worship for him and so i didn't know i was like what are you even talking about and so the first worship song i ever played at a church service was Folsom prison blues uh because i just had no idea what i was like okay you guys you weirdos are getting together to sing here we go (laughs) so um yeah so um Played in a band for a while when that was, we, you know, one night we were in Texas on tour, felt like the Lord was saying, this is coming to an end. You will be preparing to be a pastor. And so I got ready and went to school and and did all that stuff. And uh, yeah, been pastoring for the past like 10 years and uh, love it. I've got a wife and two kids. My wife, Terry Ann is amazing. My kids made a huge mess tonight, right before we started. So (laughs) we're, we're doing good. But yeah, man, YouTube channel, love it. it. I've always had a heart for teaching. Um, and so it's just been a blessing, you know, for the past. I've only been doing it for like eight months now, so something like that. So, Well, it, I'll just say you're doing a really good job. 
like already hitting those numbers and the kind of style that you're rolling with. I love it. And thanks for telling us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I'm a little jelly of being in Florida right now. Uh, you <laughs> Dude, know, it's the gorgeous. Day, it's a, the other yeah, day it was negative 40. So, Oof, oh my really, goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, that's wild. It Canada's is great it guys. Hot today. today, actually today was cold this morning at like 50 degrees and we we're like, Oh, I'm ready for winter to be done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so <laughs> you went to Bible college, uh, did. and what, Let's start there, like because we're going to be talking about seminary and the importance of seminary and maybe where we might think that there's like some other kind of options that maybe we should be looking at. Uh, but I also went to Bible college. I also went to seminary. Uh, so I, I want to hear your story first a little bit about what were some of those like decisions that that you made in order to like, be like, all right, Bible college is the route for the pastorate, like the the, right. the goal that you wanted. How how was it that you were like, okay, this Bible college, not that Bible college, and also Bible college in general, why not like a community college or something like that? Sure. Well, I actually started at community college, and oh, okay. while I was there, uh, that's when I felt like the Lord was telling me to start a band, so I was obedient, I dropped out of college, started a band, and my parents were very angry at me. <laughs> um so, uh, yeah, the decision, like I said, I was in the band and at night, one time while we were in Texas, God kind of woke me up and, and obviously not audibly, and I could have been wrong, but it seems like I was right that he was calling me to the pastorate. And so I, I just, man, I was like, I think this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to school. And I already dropped out of, of school once and, and, you know, I didn't really enjoy it cause I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. And okay. My best friend my entire life, um, Luke Domic, his dad was the dean of um, uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University for the Orlando campus. And so he was like, they actually, when I first dropped out of college, they took me out to dinner and my best friend's mom cried over it because she was like, you're making a mistake. Oh, okay. And she could have been right. I don't know. But it was, they, these are the, the most incredible people I've ever known. And so he, um, he, they took me out to dinner again and we're like, hey, uh, we want you to go to Palm Beach Atlantic. So I went there and, um, you know, my undergrad work was amazing. Going to Palm Beach Atlantic University, it was an incredible experience. Um, so I'm trying to think of like what else, you know, some of the reasons why I wanted to go there. I wanted to study more Greek and Hebrew. I, I kind of wanted okay. to get that get that feeling of like opening up the text a bit more because I'd been a Christian at that point for a number of years. And, you know, my Bible study it was good, um, it, but I wanted to just kind of get a little bit further in. Now, some of my opinions on kind of Greek and Hebrew courses has changed over the years. Um, sure. So that was a, a major factor for me. But I, I, I and then, the, you know, lastly for me, it really was that feeling of like, okay, you know, the, the route you go is you go to college, then you go, you know, go to seminary, and then you get a job at a big church. And you live a happy life because you now are a pastor and you have money and you are leading people and all that. And I just, I had a very small view of um, God's goodness in different routes. <laughs> so, sure. uh, you know, and, and we're all just kind of brought up in this, like, this idea of success is pastoring a, a big church with a lot of people. And I... I'm so thankful that the Lord has just changed that mentality that, you know, success is discipling people, not Amen. big church, lots of people, you know? And so that has been uh, just a, a huge blessing to, to go through some seasons where difficult things happen and all that. And uh, yeah, so, but mainly primarily it was that like, yeah, you're just, you're supposed to do this. Other pastors do this, you know? What about for you? What was that? What was that process like? It's same, same in a lot of ways. Like I grew up in, uh, like I always, I always say the weirdest Venn diagram ever of <laughs> IFB, independent fundamental Baptist and reformed. And it was like the only church in the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah. Uh, but like with that came a lot of like the fundamentalist leanings toward education. Like this, okay. this is a big thing in fundamentalism of, all right, you got a successful church. Well, now you got to start a Bible college and eventually, Ooh. you know, that grows and you have other people coming in and in the late fifties, it was like really big. Uh, and so there were a bunch of Bible colleges that were started. And so I grew up kind of just hearing like, that's the route. 
Like what you were saying, okay. exactly. Just that this is just the way it is. This is what pastors do. If you want to go and be a pastor someday, you have to go to Bible college and you better make sure right. it's the right one. You know, like <laughs> it was, it was looked at as like the one. biggest decision of your entire life that right. you got to pick the right Bible college. And so even for me, you know, I grew up going to a Christian school. And so like a little private school ran out of my church. You're probably connecting a lot of these fundy dots. Okay. Uh, but like we had all these Bible colleges coming. So Bob Jones would show up and, Ooh, you know, Bob Jones. yeah. And then Pillsbury Baptist Bible College. And, you know, uh -huh. a lot of these like really fundamentalist schools, you know, not necessarily bad institutions, uh, right. but, you know, just very much ingrained in that environment. And so it was just kind of drilled into me from an early age that that's what pastors do. They go to a Bible college and maybe, maybe they go to seminary, but probably right. not. So it's like Bible college so, was like the main thing. Yeah. Was it the type of schools where if you wanted to go on a date, you had to have a chaperone with you? Whew. Yeah, there were some of those schools. Uh, like, How uncomfortable I, thankfully, I went to like the liberal one. <laughs> so, uh -huh. Like, uh, but me and my wife still got in trouble uh, for. Uh, I had my my arm around her chair when we first started Scandalous. dating, and that yeah, that's a big no no. So uh, yeah, so it was that kind of a school for sure. Um, but that's that's what. I was told was the route for a pastor. And I think a lot of people going into ministry, like, let's be honest, most people who are going to end up going to ministry are not going to get called in their thirties and forties. Like that does happen. Right. I, I, you know, I know guys who have done that, but the vast majority are in their teens or maybe even younger. And they have this idea that God wants me to go into ministry. And so they get yeah. that drilled into them early on. Uh, but for me, like looking at it, I'm not so sure. Let me know in the chat, which I don't have up. Uh, let me, let me see here. We got grandma Joe in the chat right now. Okay. Hey, G ma Joe. Get that up here on the screen. All right. Uh, yeah, John, I am a uh, subscriber to you both and grateful for the information. Glad to be here before I have to go pick up my son. It's 420 Pacific time. Yeah, it's finding like we're scattered all over oh, yeah. <laughs> North America at this point. Uh, <laughs> hello from Grant's Pass. Well, I appreciate you hopping in here, Grandma Joe. Uh, be safe while you're driving. I'm sure you're just listening to it. Um, but yeah, uh, so for me, Bible college was like, this is the route and it's the only appropriate route. But I kind of want us to talk a little bit then about seminary, because for a yeah. lot of people, you know, they, they didn't really have that. Maybe, maybe some people uh, had that route of like, oh, you have to go to a Bible college. But a lot of people went and got, you know, an undergrad in communications or marketing right. or, uh, you know, some other field. And then they knew, all right, you, now you can go to seminary, which is like graduate school. Uh, so I saw a video that you did uh, a couple weeks ago, um, or maybe it was even just last week, where you were talking a little bit about Jerry Falwell. And you were talking a little bit about seminary and how you weren't sure whether that was something that you wanted to like really... Um, uh, continue in or, you know, get another degree and all of that. So I want to hear a little bit about that struggle for you of like balancing these things. How important is, you know, the kind of training that you could get at a seminary versus, you know, what you can <coughs> learn at your home? You know, you got books right. over there. I got books. You know, why do, why do, why do you think that uh, seminary would even be something that you need to really seriously consider? Yeah, no, I mean, so my stance on seminaries is if you did not go and do an undergrad in something, you know, biblical studies or pastoral ministry, it's you have to do something along those lines. My, my experience personally was my undergrad classes were equal in difficulty, equal in coursework, equal, like equal in almost every single way to that graduate level stuff. And so I got halfway through my MDiv or uh, almost halfway through my MDiv. And I was just like, man, I cannot justify 
spending all this money, you know, to, to get to get classes that I've already done. Like, and it's the exact same class. At times it was the same textbook. And so it's like, okay, I, I just can't do this right now. But I do think for people people who went and, you know, got a communications degree and they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be in ministry. And it's like, yeah, you do need some kind of training. So there is a, a definite place for it. And another kind of caveat that we'll probably get into a little bit later is that if, if your church has a great pastoral training program, then you probably don't need to pay all that money. Like if you look at the cost analysis, you can buy all of the books for, you know, like two or three, $2,000 probably. And yeah. you can read those things. Like, and any of these professors who have made a huge impact on the world, they've probably done podcasts. You can learn those things. And so I understand the guys who, um, I don't want to say might, might not be as like entrepreneurial, but like they have the path of, I want to go work for an established church. That's fine. Sure. That's a good thing. There's a lot of people, a lot of sheep that needed to be, to be shepherded in established places. I'm not knocking that at all, but for, there's a lot of guys who go and take on an insane amount of debt when it's not really benefiting your life all that much, you know, to, to go into a seminary program. And so I don't want to knock it. I think it is a good thing, but it has its place, you know? So I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, uh, it's interesting <clears throat> to hear you say that because for a long time, I've been kind of wrestling with this because I actually finished my undergrad a little bit later. I was already at my first church when I finished that. And then, you yeah, know, same. I was basically told that if I wanted to succeed in, in ministry and what that really means is to get a bigger church, take care of my family, you know, be like just, you know, that nuclear family, that all American dream. Cause I was in Minnesota at the time, uh, <laughs> that all American dream of, you know, just owning your own house and all of that. Um, and, and the white picket fence. Uh, but I was told like, you got to go to seminary in order mm -hmm. for that dream to be fulfilled. Uh, right. and if you want to climb like the ladder, cause at the time I was an associate pastor. Uh, so if you want to climb that ladder and make the big step into the big chair, you know, and be the senior pastor, uh, then you got to go to seminary. Um, and you know, there were some things like, I didn't feel like my undergrad prepared me very well. Like, uh, no, no dissing to my professors. Some of like the, the best guys I've ever met, very kind, very gracious with their time, always, you know, wanting to, to help and to answer questions. Uh, but you know, I only had to take a year of Greek. Uh, I didn't have to take, uh, Hebrew. Uh, for me, the original languages was like the, the main thing, like what you're talking about for your undergrad. Right. Um, you know, that's, that was kind of like left off the table for me in my undergrad. So I wanted to, you know, pursue that with, uh, going to seminary. Uh, and, and there were some other factors that went into it, but basically it was to climb that ladder. And I, I really right. appreciated, you know, when we were talking about this the other day that you really had that heart for, okay, what about the church planter or, right. or the guy who's just at a small church, you mm -hmm. know, when you're, you're talking about all of the finances that go to, you know, being at a seminary first off, you know, by then. Like you've graduated at least some kind of program because it's a graduate degree. So you're probably like 24 at this point, 25. A lot of Christian guys get married pretty young or, or right. even uh, some women who go to seminary as well. You know, they got to consider these things of you're going to move your family. You're going to have to, you know, get a job, work full time, balance that with school. You know, there's so many of these things, uh, that are, you know, we're talking about a lot of, a lot of money. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I started thinking about all that and, um, you know, I ended up going through with it. I had time on my hands. Uh, mm. you know, I was, was thinking kids? about, uh, well, no, I had kids, uh, but okay. I was, uh, you know, in between <clears throat> ministries at the time. Right. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I need some kind of creative outlet and I didn't have YouTube yet. <laughs> so yeah. like the, the pan, this is long before the pandemic. Um, but I was <laughs> like, all right, I got time on my hands. I need to do something. I need to, you know, better myself in some way. So I decided to go, uh, and because of where I graduated from, they also have a graduate school and they do a lot of online stuff. 
they were ahead of the game. Like they, they got online like maybe like 10 years ago. And, and yeah. so they, like they were up there with Liberty of like just being able to do a lot of their stuff online. A lot of schools now are like scrambling to get all that together. Um, but it worked out for me. But then again, you know, I'm a church planter now. <laughs> so, right. So I look at I do that. have a question before. You, sure. Go ahead. Well, how did you feel like the online seminary education worked for you? Like that, that idea of, because I did both. Sure. And my in-person professors, it was awesome. But I loved to be able to work seminary into the kind of the cracks of life because I was also a pastor at the time. I had kids at the time. And so that was great. But I want to hear your thoughts on that. Like the online aspect of seminary, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic because yeah, when you're there, you're like in the world, you know, a campus right. is its own little world and you go and you have all your friends there or a lot of them. And you got, you know, all these wise older guys who are training you and you can have that personal relationship. And that's fantastic. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't have that. But I will say that my professors did a, a decent job of like going above and beyond to like message me every so often and try to build that mm, a little good. bit online and doing things like Skyping and all that things that actually weren't part of like the curriculum, but they just tried to make it more personal. Uh, but at the same time, right. I will say, uh, you know, it probably wasn't as in-depth as I would have wanted, sure. you know, for my education. Sure. Like there's something that just gets lost when you're not physically there. And also it's, you know, kind of like this seminary at your own pace a little bit of like, you got things that you got to get done, but you don't have to like sit in the classroom for it. It's not like, you know, having like a video conference, at least that's not the way my seminary did it. So I did feel like, you know, I lost out a little bit, uh, but I, I feel like also my professors tried their best to uh, make mm. it a little bit, just a little bit more personable. Uh, before we continue, let's uh, hop in here and make sure we're saying hi to everybody. Uh, Bottom Line Dad says, good evening. Hey, Grandma Joe. And uh, Grandma Joe, I have heard over and over that seminary doesn't always teach the overall deep needs of pastoral work, especially now. So agree, debt versus what is received. Oh, we going to get into it. Don't worry. Um <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, hey, Will, uh, just saying hi to Bottom Line Dad. Uh, I appreciate that. I never realized. I was always wondering, like, what is that hashtag thing before? You're saying hi to different people, and that's letting me know who you're talking to. I just Ooh. got that. Thanks, Grandma Joe. The future is now. Yeah. <laughs> I bet John MacArthur's seminary. Um, let's see here. I'm losing this a little bit. Seminary Los Angeles Talbot uh, Theological Seminary provided completely different teaching than today's seminary, which is so political. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that because we, we live in very political times for sure. Uh, so there's a lot of seminaries who are really focusing on that. But let's let's get into that. Grandma Joe brings up a really good point of, you know, like, do we think that it prepared us well enough for pastoral ministry, you know, like there's the cost thing for sure that anyone who's thinking about going to Bible college, first off, I'm just going to say it. This is like my own little soapbox. Don't go to Bible college. I don't think that you should go to Bible college. <laughs> like for me, that's, that's my personal opinion. Uh, sure. but, uh, I, I look at it and I just, I don't think you're going to get what you need out of Bible colleges, or at least most Bible colleges and most programs. I'm not saying everybody, not a blanket statement. Uh, but, you know, it really helps to have a degree in something else. I will say that for someone who's been outside of ministry for a little bit and had to get a job. And, you know, that, that four-year degree doesn't mean a whole lot when you're working you know, for the city trying to get a job in their engineering department, you know, like trying to get a good job and take care of your family, no one's going to care about that Bible college degree, most likely. Uh, so there's there's just some considerations that maybe people should make with that. But seminary, I feel, is a little bit different. Um, just uh, some of the considerations that you need to make are, I would say, a little bit different. But let's let's talk a little bit about that, that whole idea of 
you know, what did seminary give us that maybe we couldn't get at home or maybe some of the things that we need to start considering about doing in different ways? So like what can what can seminary or any let's let's put it from seminary and just any kind of training center. You know, there are some of these churches that are starting to develop their own kind of training centers for pastors. And we'll get into that in a minute of, you know, whether we think that's a a good thing or not. And what does the future of that look like? But what can, what can a seminary do to prepare you for pastoral ministry? How has Bible college seminary helped you, John? Yeah. um, I would say, Theoretically, you know, like the theory of pastoral ministry, it was helpful for that. It was helpful to kind of um, prepare me to have, uh, you know, to, to actually take the time to write down philosophy of ministry and, um, you know, all those kind of things. It helped, it helped me to solidify a lot of my systematic theology, which was kind of cool. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reason you're paying them money is so that they hold you accountable to do something like, it, sure. you know, it's, you want to read these books and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to pay you money so that I have to write this paper so that I have to kind of spend the time to see where I'm at on all these different issues. And that's not a bad thing. Like if you are not a self learner, if you're not driven, you know, self-driven in those kind of ways, I think it's, it's fantastic for that. But so I would say it really, really prepared me for um, having a solid theory and knowing some of what the kind of orthopraxies would be like, like some of the practices of being a pastor. I don't know that anything can prepare you for being in the room when someone pulls the plug on a loved one. Like, I I don't know that anything can prepare you. I, you know, um, walking someone who, a, a husband who will not return to his wife and he wants to go off with the mistress. I don't know that anything prepares you for how to have those kind of conversations. Um, And so there are certain things that are just reps that, that you just have to do them and there's no way around it. That's, that's how it's going to be. But I do think seminary was helpful for those things. I also thought, thought seminary was really helpful for teaching me. um, Sorry if my, my video is a little glitchy. Um, Oh, no worries. Okay. I I thought seminary was really helpful in teaching me how to network with other pastors and, um, you know, not networking is obviously kind of a corporate term, but like like having other people who are going to fight with you through the battles of ministry. That was really important. That was one of our professors was really intentional about that. Like get these people's numbers, remember their names because you will go through seasons where you don't know what to do and you need to call these people and see how they've dealt with those same issues um, and all that. And so I, I thought it was really helpful for just hearing the stories of other people and, and hearing where other people are coming from. Also, because, um, you know, specifically I, I went to Liberty, um, you know, for, for my seminary aspect, that's, there are people from all different traditions, um, you know, coming from yeah. that. And so you're hearing, you're hearing a lot of different, um, viewpoints on things. You're hearing a lot of people, and stuff that you disagree with. And so it's kind of helpful because then you can go, Hey, here's where I really, really disagree. Here's where I agree. And it just helps you kind of hone in a lot of your convictions. Now I will say, as I've gotten older and and continued on with life, my convictions either sharpen in certain areas or, you know, don't, I'm not as uptight about certain things. There's less Hills that I'm willing to die on as, as I kind of get older. And so when I was in, you know, seminary, when I was in my undergrad work, um, there were a lot of Hills that I was willing to die on. And so, um, you know, it's just, you know, I went through the, the cage stage of reformed theology and, um, and, uh, and it was cool for me because I didn't go to reformed colleges and that was kind of helpful because it, it kind of got me through that cage stage where I could, you're familiar with that term, the, the cage stage, where it's just oh, like, yeah, oh, you should absolutely. be locked in a cage and just like get away. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it was helpful because I was around people that were um, gentle and, and kind with me when I was a little bit too harsh. Mm. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, really like you're, you're going to school, it's kind of an iron sharpens iron kind of thing. You're, you're wanting to hear other people's experience. You're wanting people to kind of draw the best possible, possible pastor out of you. And so um, I think for those things, it was really helpful. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other like really good insight that I have from my time in seminary and specifically too, I did the online thing. Once we had our first child, um, our, our son Clive and 
that really shifted things. I, I had this experience where I, my, my professors, we were face-to-face. We actually had a professor that the second week of class, he found out he had a brain tumor. And, you know, he was like, no matter what happens, I'm finishing this class. And so, like, seeing his resolve to prepare pastors for the ministry, even though he was going through this incredible hard time, I was like, man, I want, I want to have that kind of resolve someday. I want to be that type of man who can say, like, the kingdom is more important than my own. And, and I don't know if it was a coping mechanism. I don't know that. But like, I want to have that kind of heart for the kingdom and for the shepherds of the flocks. Like, If you think about these professors are preparing shepherds to go all throughout the country and to shape Christianity for the future. Like that's, that's a humongous weight. And so I, I really hope um, professors feel the weight of that calling. You are shepherding the shepherds that are going to be influencing Christianity in, in America and in, in Canada for you. Like it's, it's a huge calling. So I don't know when, when you were in seminary, what were the things that you really felt like were the big, the big takeaways that prepared you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I resonate with a lot of that. Um, you know, especially when you're talking about like that kind of like feeling of belonging to a team. Like you got a group of guys or uh, a group of people that you're you're in line with theologically. Maybe there's some differences. Maybe maybe they're not reformed, but you got a lot of the main things, you know. Uh, in and just uh, you know got them got them all together, and you, you kind of form like this bond. And, and right. I, I do think that that's that's something that carries on in ministry of just like that feeling of togetherness, of like yeah. we're getting ready to fight the fight. You know, like this is life and death, eternity hanging in the balance. And we're preparing ourselves to go out there into the mission field uh, and, you know, wage war uh, against sin armed with the gospel. That's that's a beautiful thing. uh, If you think about it, just that that brotherhood that you have uh, with seminary. Uh, So I definitely resonate with that. Uh, and then for me, like the biggest thing that seminary did for me was teaching me how to read. Like, of course, you know, sure. I knew how yeah, to read. Totally. Um, I didn't read <laughs> all that much though, uh, before seminary. And, uh, one of the reasons why I knew like, oh, I should probably go to seminary. Uh, I remember in my first pastorate, I was associate pastor and, uh, my senior pastor was reformed. And he looked at me in a, in a like prayer meeting and said, like he was, he was doing something, you know, some Bible study, uh, part, uh, before the prayer. And he was like, uh, Dean, what's, what's the Westminster, can, uh, catechism question number one. And I was Dang, like, he gotcha. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had never looked at it. And, and then, you know, like I, I Googled it as soon as I got back into my office, never wanted to look dumb in front of anyone ever again, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, sure. But then I was like, all right, that led me to John Calvin. And then when I started going to seminary, I started actually reading John Calvin. <laughs> and right. like like these, these bigger books uh, that, you know, have a lot of technical jargon, um, I just wasn't prepared for. Like maybe, maybe yeah. other people, you know, sitting at home who've never gone to seminary, maybe they could read that easily. I couldn't mm-hmm. like, I was like a blogs only kind of guy. <laughs> and now sure. I don't read blogs, you know, I watch YouTube <laughs> videos. Uh, but right. most of how I get, you know, educated now is I read books and a lot of them are really big. And a lot of them are from old dead guys who speak in like ancient ways and you got to figure out what they're trying to say. And I don't think that I could have read those kind of books and been changed by the beautiful theology that, you know, I'm like, even like the early church fathers, what they taught, uh, like, I don't think that I would have been able to read that before seminary. So for me, like, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, you know, the classes that I took, I don't know if they were all that practical for pastoral ministry, um, you know, doing, doing a study on, you know, the Pauline epistles is great. Um, you know, I'm going to forget a lot of that before I actually preach Romans, <laughs> right? you know, like right. totally. I could go back and it is information overload. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, you know, it helps you like, I would say like the, you know, having papers that are not like seven page papers, but are like 36 page papers really right. helps you like develop like, okay, how do I actually 
develop my thoughts and get like the impact of those thoughts and be able to write that down for others to understand like that, that really helps. Uh, but I wouldn't say like necessarily like the classes helped. And when you think about that, like earlier, what we were talking about, like the cost stuff, like the classes are the most expensive part. If you think about it that way, like the other things that I got, and I think what you're saying, what you got out of seminary, are things that you didn't have to go to seminary to get. Like, right. you know, uh, like we were talking about um, JT English and some of the stuff that he w- he's been able to do down at the Village Church, and now he's over in Colorado. Uh, but they had like this, this training institute there, and it started with the church, and I know that they've kind of like had a partnership uh, with, with Southern Seminary, uh, but like what if churches did that? So I want us to like kind of switch over, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of like the benefits and some of like the negative things of seminary. And I want us to talk a little bit about (laughs) what, what could churches do to help train? Um, And like, I have a scripture passage I want us to look at in a second, uh, but let's let's check in with the chat and see what you guys are talking about. Uh, you will probably cover it as what you were saying now, but is similar unless you are a doctor, etc. Hands-on mentorship through the ranks more valuable than formal education. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where we're yeah, going to go. We're going to get into that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grandma Joe again. Training center uh, lends itself to establish titles, certainly earning potential accreditation, some benefits along with what is being mentioned. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of credibility. Uh, RK says, John, I made it. So there you go, John. Hey, RK. Uh, is that Ryan Friday Kirkland? night. Friday of, night, 6.30, be there. Is that a fight? Are you guys fighting? That sounds like a fight. Meet me behind the gym. I'm, I'm really good at fighting. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Grandma Joe wants to know, what's going on here? Um, rejoicing Dang. bones. Oh, I love it when bones is in the chat. All right. Uh, man, doing yeah. undergrad at Liberty made me dig in, study more in depth than I would have on my own. Got great exposure to great writings. I had to find sources for writing examples. Owen, Calvin, Warfield, and pink. Um, yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. You have to like you're forced into yeah. it. <laughs> you know, you paid all this money yeah. and you have deadlines, <clears throat> uh, which you wouldn't yeah. have but- if you're just at home. Yeah, but the the absolute worst thing about seminary is citing those sources in any kind of paper because that is just awful. I hate formatting. I hate all those yeah. things. So, <laughs> what, man, what let's was just the stand website? up and talk about it. What, uh, citation, citation machine. Citation machine. Yeah, that was it. That was the yeah, one. that's what you use, man. Got you through. <laughs> and then I got Logos, and Logos does all that for you. I was like, man, this is just brilliant. See, I and never then I figured out, that out. So. I, uh, so much time. I wasted going into citation machine. Uh, Secret to retaining information even now. So hard for me to retain information from books or Bible, et cetera, et cetera. Help thoughts. Tattoo it on your body. Yeah, tattoo it on your body. Memento style. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't expecting that one, but yeah. Hey, (laughs) you know, it's a Christian (laughs) channel. Uh, So I, I use Evernote. And I tag everything. First off, it's really helpful because when you're preaching and you have a topic, like go up, look up that tag, and you have like 50 quotes of different things you can use. It's so helpful. But also, um, just if I know a quote or something has to do with a topic or or any of that, I'll use that. I use Notion a lot. um, And yeah, it is... It is figuring out that term second brain. If you can figure out a good second brain system... And you can recall any information at one time. We, we can do another live stream on that because I, I could talk about that for hours. But um, having a, a system where you can pull back all of this stuff that you've read. Because look, man, seminary, the one, the one thing that I thought was interesting is you were not designed to read five books at a time that are mm. that are thick. You know, the, like they, they are intentionally trying to stretch you, like Dean said. They're intentionally trying to stretch you to learn how to read to learn how to pick information out. That stuff's helpful, but I want to retain what I'm reading. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's probably a helpful thing to do. Um, and so just, yeah, having s- something that you you can type in a tagging system to recall that information That's or tattoo it on your body. Yeah. Um, I would also say, like, for you, you go digital. I would go analog. Like, for me, 
writing it out helps me retain stuff. Yeah. If I can write it out, I could call it back like years later. Um, sure. But like, you know, j- j- just typing it in doesn't work for me, but I totally get you with the whole tagging thing. What I've gotten into yeah. is using like my iPad and Apple Pencil to write it out. And yeah, then like totally. uh, Apple Notes even – you know, just the the basic thing that comes on your phone and on your iPad has tags down right. too, uh, so you can definitely right. use that. Uh, but totally agree about you know just tagging things up and being able to recall it later too. Uh, yeah. Rejoicing Bone says never got sources right ever. Did Amen. any of us? Amen. I mean, no. like that was. I, like- Points off for that stuff is so frustrating. You're like, look, you, you can Google this information, okay? You don't need to know where I got it from. Right. So I'm not cynical <laughs> at all. Not angry about it at all. Um, yeah, that was like the thing. I always just counted like I'm going to get marks off for citation stuff. Right. Like I'm going to do my best and I'm going to try and even use like because like you use citation machine and even then it's like it's still not right. And you're just like, wait, what? I entered right. it in wrong again. Uh, Grandma Joe. LOL. One of the reasons hey, live me- makes me nervous. What? Go for it. Let me go. I'm going to, I'm going to hard line into this computer real quick so that I can see if I can get, uh, the jitters to all stop real quick. It'll take okay. me two seconds. It's really so answer me, this yeah. question with super thorough. Yeah. It's, it bugs okay. me. I, quality is so important to me. It's true. So I see it on your channel, man. No end. It's probably okay, so my It'll internet. take me two seconds. All right. No, 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 it's not. Okay. I'll be right back. Uh, so grandma Joe says, uh, LOL. Uh, one of the reasons live makes me nervous. I have principles down, but then to quote where to find it, Ouch. So many have it off the top of their heads. Love your advice, John. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, you know, when you're in a live environment, uh, it is difficult to be able to just recall those things right off the bat. Um, but you know, like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like I'm sure that you've been talking with your friends at some point and you had something that you were like, I'm going to, you know, call out this. And then you're just like, uh, or you're in the middle of like a story and you stall. So I think people are able to understand that, to know where you're coming from with it. Um, but definitely, um, you know, being able to like write it out or have a tagging system definitely might help with that. Um, as we kind of get over to this idea. Uh, okay. All right. Let's see. Did that work? Oh, look at uh, you. Did it work? I think so. You look really good. I hope so, man. Go to bed, pal. <laughs> yeah, man. I quality is so important to me. So sorry about that, man. No worries, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you were able to get it going because, like, I totally get it. Uh, your channel looks good. so good. You spend a lot of time on the video <laughs> aspect. I, I get it. You want to look good when you're on someone else's channel. Uh, let's let's go over here, and um, you know we have this passage, this famous passage when we're talking about like. Is seminary pastoral training, is that biblical? Of course, the answer would be yes. And we could look at the Great Commission of go and teach. You got to learn some stuff. Uh, but right. also, you know, we have a direct command in the pastoral epistle. So this is 2 Timothy chapter 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we have... The Apostle Paul telling a pastor, it's up to you. It's up to you to train the next generation uh, of leaders in your church. So when I look at at seminary, I, I, I see it as, yes, as a parachurch organization, meaning it's outside uh, of the church. It stands on its own. And it's doing work for the church, and that's like the slogan for like so many seminaries is for the church or for the <laughs> right. gospel, um, which is great, by the way. I'm not making fun of them. It's just like you know, someone's got to like trademark that and have it. You know, right. Not all of right. us can claim it, um, but I will say, what about the local church? Could they be doing this? And you know, historically speaking, I think we have, like for. Hundreds of years, we didn't have universities uh, or, you know, seminaries. Uh, They would come later, but like we didn't have these formal educational uh, parachurch institutions. We just had the local church. And this is something that you and I, I think, are on the same page about. Like, 
what could the local church do to make it easier for for young men who are looking at pastoral ministry or maybe even young women in their church who are looking at trying to lead uh, different uh, Bible studies and different ministries in their church? What could the local church do to fulfill that command from Paul of being able to teach them uh, and entrust you know, the gospel to, to faithful men and other church ministries would then include women. You know, we're, I'm complimentarian. I'm pretty sure you're complimentarian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's where we're coming from. Uh, <clears throat> but what, what could the local church do to, to fulfill that? Yeah. Okay. First thing you got to start with is, is clear biblical vision on this. And you just read a great passage for that. But if, if a, if a senior pastor does not have a biblical conviction that he is required to train up and raise up elder. Now, when I read elder pastor, I, I, I kind of can um, use those, um, you know, interchangeably. Synonymously. Um, yeah. Like, scripture. yeah. Yeah. You know, that thing, that whole <laughs> book. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think if, if a pastor doesn't realize that he has a, a humongous role and, and a requirement to raise up, these elders, these these men who are able to teach, who are able, you know, worthy of, of double honor, um, you know, because they're able to teach. If they don't have a, a view of that, like that's tragic to me. Thankfully, where I'm at now, my, my senior pastor, Dustin, has a humongous view of it. And, and like we every Monday, today was our day where we do our pastoral training where it's, it's raising up men to go and to um, plant churches and to do that. And so, um, yeah, it, it, if, if, if you don't have a biblical vision, that's huge. But also just clarity and like what your process is. Now, I'm so thankful that there are, there are organizations popping up everywhere that are helping pastors to do this because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's, that's true. Look, a, pastor, a pastor has enough stuff to do. Reinventing wheels, not one of them. So, um, you know, there, there are so many different organizations right now that are giving people resources to train up new pastors. And when you go through it, some, some of the stuff is a little bit basic, but you have to start basic because you don't know where everybody else is starting. And so sure, it's great, man. When I, when I walk through some of the stuff with some younger guys, like there are things that have never dawned on them that like you are required to pray for your people. They're just like, yeah, I thought it was just getting up on a stage and talking. It's like, well, no, yeah. that's not pastoring. That's that's being a celebrity. You are not that. Um, so uh, local churches have to do that. I think having easy on-ramps for people is also really helpful. Like not starting with a – it's good to have a pastoral training program, but just a, a theology training program, yeah, um, practical how-to-disciple-other-people program. That's really huge because some, some guys might – might start with like a pastoral residency. And I don't know that that's as helpful to start with as just come up with a good discipleship program and, and out of that, create your residency. And that's, that's super important. Um, but you know, you gotta eat, you gotta drink milk first before you can, you know, eat sure. the meat. So, um, yeah, so that's, I've got a lot of thoughts on that, but I want to make sure to kick the ball back to you and see what your thoughts are. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. You know, you got to start with having a vision for it. You know, it, if your heart's not in it first, I would say there's a problem because I do think that's like yeah. a main part of being a pastor. You are the chief disciple maker in your church. You just are, right. you lead by example. And so you should be discipling others. And of course, you know, every pastor would say, well, yeah, I do that. I do it on, you know, from the pulpit, but there's so much more to that. You need to be meeting with people. You need to be involved in their lives. And that's just something of pastoral ministry. But then, you know, you look at this passage that that is very clear from Paul. You need to go and you need to do this. You need to be entrusting this gospel to faithful men. You need to find them. You need to know that they're faithful first right. off. And if you... <laughs> like if, if you don't know that, you know, like you got major problems, uh, but you need to find them and you need to be teaching them. You need to be educating them. So this is something that I've been like, like kind of wrestling with the last few years. You know, I've looked at, you know, how seminaries helped me and how, like maybe some of those things that, uh, I didn't get at seminary, how I'm kind of lacking in that. And like, where can we fill the gaps with the local church? And, and right. so I'm, I'm looking at this and yes, I think obviously all of it is discipleship. Like you need to have some, some major discipleship happening. I think 
I would, I would probably stick away from programs as far as discipleship goes. I know like I'm, okay. I'm one of those like, uh, you know, I don't know, like hipster kind of guys of like, that. Hey, I think that we're millennials, man. You got to do that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think discipleship is an attitude like that. You need to be welcoming people into your, your sphere, grabbing them, letting, putting, pulling them into your orbit and teaching yeah. them through your life in, in yes, sometimes that looks like formal ways of like, I want to have, you know, lunch with you. And I want to talk about this specific topic, you know, like those kinds of things. Um, but I do think that you're right about like, man, if you have a vision for this, why not get started at your church? Why not start with something small? You know, uh, I have, uh, Rejoicing Bones hopping in here and says, can you uh, name some of these organizations? Um, which I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about, Bones, so let, let me let me know. Uh, but Yeah, I, that... I know what he's talking about. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yeah, so, he, so some of those organizations like Training the Church, um, trainingthechurch.com. JT English is putting out a ton of stuff for this, and it's really helpful. They do the cohort model, and uh, it's super expensive. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> if there's a way to, to get that you know, get the information and not have to pay four grand for that. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then there's also practical shepherding.com. Uh, that's, that's the one that we use at our church. And it just kind of comes when I, when I'm talking about programming, it's more like here's material to go through because I don't think you can disciple somebody without having them at your dinner table. I don't think you can, you can sure. disciple somebody without them seeing yeah, your marriage I and agree. seeing your faults and all that kind of stuff. So, um, more like what are the, what, what is the span of topics you'll talk about reading different books and all that kind of stuff. And, there's a with practical shepherding. There's this um, notebook that comes with it that's got different videos and, and questions through it, and you know, it, some of it's good, some of it's bad. With any of this stuff, you got to eat the fish and leave the bones. Like that's just sure always how it is. So. Yeah, and that's that's what rejoicing bones meant. So he says thanks. Um, yep. And then Grandma Joe, wow, what did you do? You're amazingly clear now. Yeah, doesn't he look good? Um, you know. Uh, also. You know, with this whole thing of institutions, I would say one church that I've seen do it, you know, from afar, you know, I'm not at this church, I'm not involved, uh, but uh, Joe Thorne uh, of Redeemer Fellowship, you know, he's like, I'm a reform guy, he's kind of a big, he's a short guy, but uh, he, he's a big deal, kind of. Uh, if he ever watches this, I'm going to make fun of him, but like <laughs> it's, he's, he's kind of a big deal amongst like reform guys, 1689 guys. And so, uh, if you look up his church, one of the things that they do is a leadership lab, uh, where they mm-hmm. just kind of like sit on a Saturday and they dive into theology. They have books that they kind of go through, uh, you know, opportunities for young people to preach or, you know, depending on whoever's in their church and feeling called, uh, you know, to, to, you know, either preach or to give some kind of a lecture and, you know, all of that. I think that's super cool. Uh, and you know, all those things that we were talking about with some of the benefits of seminary, you know, I'm looking at what a pastor is called to be in the new Testament. And I don't think that there's anything that uh, a real pastor is missing from being able to do that. You know, if you're having a community of faith in a local church that, that is, has that vision for it and someone who has been trained, that's obviously a big part of it. Not everyone has the skill uh, to, you know, be able to teach Greek and Hebrew like those things are complicated, but there are like what you were saying, there are different programs, different books, even uh, to be able to go through those things and, and teach that to your congregation uh, or, you know, these people who would be part of something like a leadership lab. Um, you know, there's that, but, you know, building that like team environment that could be done in a local church rather than right. in uh, you know, a seminary or a Bible college um, you know, having this, you know, putting deadlines you know, like what we were talking about with Rejoicing Bones. He was talking about how, you know, it's hard to do those things at home. Well, you could have deadlines in a leadership lab. You could have papers. You could do right. a lot of these things. And maybe maybe it's not up to snuff for, like, formal educational institutions, you know. Uh, but at the same time, we're talking about something that, if there's a cost, is going to be 
so much more minimal right? Uh, right. and not going to be a burden and, on you later. Yeah, and I think it's the responsibility of a church to put their tithing toward that. Like, no, if a point. church is not putting money toward discipling people, putting it toward church planning, like, <clears throat> that's that's a church that just doesn't have a very accurate, New Testament view of, of how the church was meant to be. So, you know, ecclesiology. So I just think churches spend money on some stuff that's not all that important at times. If this should be one of those main things that, that should be in the budget, you know? Yeah. So, and if we did this, if we were able to transition from, you know, like what we were talking about, the reasons why we went to Bible college and even at least for me for seminary is, you know, it's expected. This is the route, you know? Uh, so if we have this new alternative to that, you know, that could lead to, you know, pastors knowing people in the church before they take over right. the pastorate. Like imagine right. like, you know, we have <laughs> this thing where we hire pastors and they're from, you know, somewhere way far away, a different state, maybe even a different country. You know, I'm here in Canada. Don't uh, get me started on that. Okay. Well, I want, I want to get you started. We got a couple <laughs> okay. more. <mess. laughs> but, okay. uh, it's but we can have people annoying. in our church, like who, who were raised in the church. And sure, there's right. some of that, like no, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. So there needs to be, you know, maybe a stepping out point where they're away from the church for a little bit. And there's just something to that, uh, being able to come in and have respect and authority, but also they have relationships and that's how you really lead a church is with right. relationships through relationships. So if we did that, you know, Paul had Timothy, he had Titus, he had Onesimus. It says in a letter that Onesimus became the pastor of Ephesus. So he had those guys. You know, what about us? If we had young right. men in our church and and women as well in different ministry positions, as we've said, you know, if we raise them up in the church to lead in that church, like there wouldn't be like these churches that have you know, four years without a pastor and all this infighting right. and people leave the church and, right. you know, all these totally. different issues. So what what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so many. Um, okay, we got a short time, but yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm reading through, uh, what's the guy, is it Jim Collins? The book, Good to Great. I'm not big on corporate books and all that kind of stuff, but that's like okay. kind of a staple book that you're supposed to read. He talks about in that, that these companies that went, that, that just were amazingly above and beyond, um, you know, in, in their stock prices and all that for the for a long term period. The only ones that did that were were companies that hired from within. All these other companies that hired from without and and brought in all these like celebrity guys and all that they failed. Unfortunately, I see that same thing happening in the church today. I mean, I, I came from a situation where was at a church for 10 years they ended up bringing a guy who who is a good guy i mean he is an awesome guy great leader i you know respect him all that but he came from california was at a very large church has doctorate all that kind of stuff and and so i i'm not i don't want to sound like bitter or hurt you know whatever by sure. it, but but it's just an interesting thing to bring somebody from completely without now i understand there are there are certain times where churches like hey we just need a hard reset all that that's that's okay but why do we need a hard reset if we're raising people up from within? I mean, we just we see that over and over within the church. And one thing that my my previous senior pastor did really well was provide reps. The more that guys can just get reps preaching, and like there is no preaching class that is going to prepare you for for you know trying to connect these enormous ideas with the practical lives of people. It is only reps that is going to do that. You know, yep. getting getting in there doing Absolutely. it over and over. And so. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it, it is the unfortunate reality that the church kind of has grown very corporate. Um, you know, I don't know how, how things are at where you're at, but here in Orlando, man, we've had we've had 10 pastors burn out a year and, and like huge scandalous stories, guys committing suicide, all the stuff, because they were funneled into this idea that being a pastor was being a CEO. And it's just, that's mm -hmm. not the case. And so if you're raising guys up, you need to be raising guys up with, good theology you need to be raising guys up with a, an accurate view of what a pastorate as a shepherd is um but you know you, you think of a, the shepherding model it's like could you imagine 
a shepherd bringing in some random shepherd to shepherd his flock. Like, no, you need, yeah. if you are, especially for some of the boomers that might listen to this, like if you're at the age where you're about to retire, man, get after that. Don't wait till it's too late to get a plan to replace yourself, hopefully with somebody from within your flock. So I do think that some of the corporate model, you know, the corporate leadership models that people are just so obsessed with, which is just ridiculous. Um, I do think that that's worked its way in. And that's why you have these situations where they are hiring pastors from, all over the country for a, a flock that has no idea, you know, who they are. And and neither do these elder boards. They don't know what type of baggage these guys bring. Cause when sure. you're interviewing for a position, I don't care how much you say, like, I, I just want God's will. And obviously you do, but like, you're putting on your best face, pal. You're not, you're not, you want that job bringing in all yeah. your junk. Yeah. You want, you want to be able to provide for your family. And so, but with a person that you raise up from within, you know, their weaknesses, you know, their faults, mm-hmm. you know, their failures. And you walked with them through that. You've cried with them. Like that's way, I would way rather have a leader like that than somebody who's got a, a great piece of paper that says they completed the papers at the seminary. So definitely yep. not heard about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, I totally agree with all that. It, it's something that I'm really passionate about now that, you know, I'm a transplant, like I'm, I'm from the States and I'm here in Canada and I'm looking at pastors here in Canada and Almost all of them. There are some Canadian pastors that I know, but at least in, like conservative uh, pastors, they're mostly from the states, and mm. and we all have this huge learning curve. And like, thankfully, I've been told I'm the most Canadian American that you know hey, some people know. So I I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, but like, we're all learning, you know, how to do ministry here in Canada. Like that's, right. it's like, I mean, that's a decade long process of figuring out the, the context. And like, yeah. if we had churches that were training, you know, their, their next pastor, like that they had some kind of a leadership lab, some kind of educational process there in the church, uh, a really rigid, uh, you know, uh, course for, for people to be able to go through, well then we wouldn't have to have people from Timbuktu come over here and pastor our church. You know, I think about it like missionaries. Uh, The best missionary is someone who lives there and, and wants to serve their people. Uh, And that would, and I do see, I see a shift in that direction, which is awesome. Right? Like it it started a a few years ago. I I heard of a lot of missions agencies going, okay, we want to get local people local churches now that's working its way into church planning and it's working its way into established churches i just think that that's the future for the american church and the canadian church like any any church in in first world countries is like it's got to go back to apprenticeship it cannot be the corporate model of go get a big degree and all that kind of stuff it just you just unsustainable at this point right 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 Uh, so right there with you man right there with you. so i think guys that we have figured out all the problems with the church and, and how they train. Yeah, you just uh, their leaders. you hire us. We'll come in and we'll train all your people, and that's okay. And we're going to call For it the low a cost center, of nineteen ninety nine. But uh, yeah, so I I I think we're we're definitely on the same page. The local church that's who the command is given to to train up. Uh, you know that next generation of Christian leaders. And I think that it's about time that we stop farming it out to umbrella organizations, parachurch mm-hmm. organizations, and we started taking responsibility for that. Uh, so we yeah. got um, Grandma Joe, uh, John, you mean use money to support pastoral education, not production, <laughs> uh, water and performances? Just saying, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of money sunk into the stage design <laughs> of different churches. Um, and I'm a worship pastor, so I love that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I love that stuff, but I like discipleship more. You know. Yeah, right. Like it's you know some you can have that stuff. It's not like you can't do that, but maybe there needs to be a little bit of balance. Um, rejoicing yeah. bones. Yes, excellent point, guys. Got to tune uh, turn in now. Sorry, it's past one a.m. in the UK. Bones. <laughs> Oh my goodness, staying up late watching. Appreciate you, man. man. Uh, Appreciate you hopping in here and staying up so late with us. Well, uh, John, I've really appreciated this conversation. 
I think I think it's helpful for us to like you know yeah. maybe it's time for us to get out of the box a little bit and think outside of it and try Amen. to figure out new ways to be able to train up uh, leaders in the church. I would let everybody just remind them if you're you're watching hey. now or if you are hitting it up in the the rewatch. Uh, go to John's channel. He's got so much good content. Uh, I really like. Go to this one, the the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Legacy Standard Bible. That's a great video. I worked hard uh, on that one. <laughs> yeah, man, and you could tell. Like, I mean, you got the, like the lazy Susan going on, and like spinning hey. that Bible around, looks smooth. But it was also really good insights into that translation. That's that, that, that was pretty interesting for me too because I've been looking at that. So I appreciate all you're doing over on your channel, and thanks for hopping thanks, in man. with me today. Uh, any, any way that, you know, whoever's watching this can, you know, support you in any way other than just going to your channel and subbing there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do have a Patreon page. Uh, you could do that if that's something you'd want to do. No pressure at all. Uh, also join me on Instagram. It's John Adams ministries. Um, and pray for me, dude, this, this is a hard life to live, you know? Yeah. balancing pastoral ministry and doing YouTube and young kids and all that. So, yeah, but I think that just, and, and engaging in videos. I mean, Dean can, Dean can tell you how important it is that people comment and give their perspective. Cause it, I don't want to do this alone. It's a community of people, Christians coming yeah. together. And so, yeah. So I'd say, especially like this video right now, if you could, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And comment below. And well, what was your major takeaway from that? You know, I don't, I, Dean, I don't know if you have a final question for people to, you know, take an action step, but I would say, takeaways are huge help us understand what, what was what was good what you got from it so yeah yeah if yeah. you have uh you know some something else that you're thinking about what a local church can do uh to raise right. up that next generation of pastors and christian leaders let us know I'd, I'd love to to find that out you know i'm a i'm a church planter john you're there as the discipleship worship pastor at your church you know we we want to know what we could be doing uh to help that next generation uh for sure uh, yeah. and you know ourselves as well but um, yeah alright well I'll let you go on here uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights and all of that and uh, I got another video coming out and uh, probably Thursday I'm trying to stick to that Monday Theo Live Thursday next video kind of a thing so be on the lookout for that uh, but have a good night and I'll see you in the next video 